So friends, listen to these glad tidings from the prophet Isaiah. Comfort, O oh, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her turn, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows upon it. And surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. See, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd and gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them and gently lead the mother's sheep. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He doesn't faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. He strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary. The young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. The word of the Lord. Amen. So for a number of years, while my husband lived here in Austin, and you may remember why he lived here in Austin, <laughs> I was still serving a church in Dallas. And I moved into a small apartment just right down the street from my church. It was cozy and comfortable. And it made for a wonderful commute, as you can imagine. My mornings were uncomplicated. They were peaceful. It was such a short commute, I never had to rush in the morning. It's still Dallas. I still used my car, by the way, because you can't cross a street in Dallas. But there was one memorable morning when things didn't go quite as planned. There I was, minding my own business, and the sky was dripping a cold, gray mist, as sometimes happens in North Texas. It was really pretty ugly and wet, so I, I took time for one more cup of coffee and, and waited till the last possible moment to get out into that parking lot and find my car. The time came, I wrapped up, found my umbrella, and I finally made it to my car. I jumped in, I was ready for my three-minute commute across the street, positioned my mirrors, I turned the key in the ignition, and guess what? Nothing. I tried it again, nothing. 
Suddenly, my perfectly peaceful day was turned upside down. My car was dead, and my husband was in Austin, right? There was no one to help. And slowly, the reality of my situation began to dawn on me. I had an 8.30 meeting, and I was going to be late. I would be walking in high heels and in the rain to get to work. I would arrive late and with really, really bad hair, right? <laughs> the more I thought about it, the worse I felt. And by the time I gathered my stuff up and, and began to walk to the gate of my complex, my mood was really dark. And that's when the head maintenance man of the complex um, kind of came up beside me in his little golf cart, right? And he said, Morning, Miss Sykert. Kind of a, a nasty day for a walk, don't you think? <laughs> well, before I knew it, he was driving me back to my car. He called a colleague on his radio. The colleague came with the truck and the jumper cables, the whole bit. And in a few minutes, my car was purring, and I was on my way to work. Not late, not messed up, and not too wet. And it happened in a flash. It happened with a jump start, a jump start that made a world of difference in my day. Isn't it a wonderful thing when a jump start comes along? Jump starts are great things, and not just for cars, by the way. They're great things for relationships, for careers, for ventures, for social movements and advancements. When suddenly, not by our own efforts, something happens to us happens in our relationship, in our world, that turns things around, that brings new life. A word of forgiveness, a cure, an unexpected blessing of resources or insights. Such things jumpstart new beginnings and fresh understandings, success and growth. And truthfully, there isn't a person in this sanctuary there isn't a family in our midst, there isn't a community on this planet that doesn't stand in need of a jump start today or in the days to come. Let me tell you, no one knew that better than the prophet Isaiah. He spoke for God at one of the greatest turning points in biblical history. It was the sixth century before Christ and Israel existed as a conquered people, without a homeland, without a temple, without a priesthood, with no political security or religious freedom of any kind. And most importantly, they were bereft of hope for the future. They sat there in exile far from home in Babylon, seemingly abandoned by the God of their ancestors. And as they sat there, an astounding message comes to Isaiah. It's recorded in the 40th chapter, parts of which we read already today. Comfort my people, God says. The time of hopelessness and pain, it's over, God says. You've paid for your mistakes. You've paid for your sin. Enough is enough. And then a voice from heaven announces God's great jump start for his hurting world. God will make a way for you, the voice announces. 
No valley will be too deep for God to lead you through. No mountain too high to cross over. All the rough patches in desert places, they will be smoothed out. They'll be cleared out so that you can have new life, so that your new beginning can take place. When another voice comes from heaven, it tells Isaiah, start announcing this good news, this jump start to God's people. Announce it so that they can jump into action and into hope. And Isaiah asks the perfect question, doesn't he, when he says, what shall I cry, God? What shall I say? And Isaiah is given a powerful answer. Tell them. Tell them that God's word endures. That it lasts longer, has more staying power than the trouble that they're in. Tell them that God comes with the power of a warlord and the tenderness of a shepherd to personally begin this new chapter of God's people. And friends, here's the important part. That is exactly what happened. Within a few decades, Israel found itself back in the promised land, worshiping in a rebuilt temple, recreating their world. And they never forgot the jumpstart of hope that came to them from Isaiah's words. That's why the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, recall Isaiah's words as they begin to tell the story of Jesus Christ. In Luke 3, it says, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill made low, the crooked will be straight, the rough ways made straight. Smooth, and all flesh will see the salvation of God. You can almost hear the gospel writers say, look, pay attention. God is at it again. Jump-starting hope and a future. Jump-starting deliverance and redemption. Making a way where we can't make it on our own. When my children were very little, we used to pull out our family Advent wreath on this, the first Sunday of Advent. I bet many of you had a family Advent wreath at your house, did you? A few of you? We would pull it out, and one year, I decided I was going to try and make it special. It was time to do our little ritual around the wreath, and and I wanted to, to kind of surprise them. So I, I yelled up the stairs, which I used to do a lot when they were little. I would yell up the stairs and say, hurry on down. I have something special for you. And I remember the three little ones coming down the stairs. And I could hear my baby girl saying to her big brothers, maybe it's ice cream. <laughs> no, said her wiser older brother. No, it's just Advent again. It's just Advent again. Friends, it is the first Sunday of Advent. Advent again. But let me leave you with one simple message. There is no just about this season. You see, traditional churches like ours uh, 
mark these four weeks before Christmas, we do it every year, to linger and to ponder over, to celebrate a powerful biblical message that our God never stopped jump-starting redemption and deliverance. Never. That when humanity couldn't find their way to God and to God's kingdom, God made a way in Jesus Christ. In Advent, we marvel at the love of God, the grace of God, so strong and consistent that to jumpstart our salvation, he took on flesh and came to us. That's the Advent message. Don't forget it. Don't miss it. Because our holiday festivity and celebration, our merriment and devotion, our preparation and planning, they can mask the important truth. Our world still hungers for a jump start. We still stand in need of a jump start. A jump start that changes everything, that infuses everything, that transforms everything, that takes our weariness, our doubt, our failings, the flaws of our lives and world, and sets everything right again. You and I need the ancient Advent message that God makes a way, that God redeems the unredeemable, that God is coming and jump-starting the kingdom of God right here, right now, with us. Hear the Advent message. Because whatever valley you might feel stuck in, God can raise it up. And whatever mountainous obstacle stands in your way, God can bring it down. Those crooked and rough places in your life, and we all have them, somehow, God enters them, transforms them, and smooths them out. In 1842... A man named Placide Capot, a Frenchman, wrote a poem in French that expressed this truth. You know the poem because in English, as it got translated, it became the famous song sung often on Christmas Eve, O Holy Night. He described the advent of Christ, and you all may remember this line, as a thrill of hope that makes the weary world Rejoice. Remember that line? A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. A thrill of hope. Well, would you believe in French that word translated as thrill is actually better translated as a shudder or a jump? A shudder of hope. A jump of hope. And friends, God knows that's what the world needs. That's what our church needs. That's what you and I need this holy season. Will you pray with me? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, God with us. Come again into our weary world, our weary hearts, our weary lives. Jumpstart our hope. Jumpstart our ability to be hope in the lives of others. Help us to fall on our knees and hear the music of heaven proclaiming that you're not done with us, your story is still being written, that you know our hunger and our thirst. We wait, oh God, we wait for hope to jump into our lives and we wait 
for our hunger and thirst to be satisfied by you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.